0: Ah! I'm entering this log for the record. This is Mark Watney, and I'm still alive, obviously. I have no way to
1: contact NASA or my crewmates, but even if I could, it would take four years for another manned mission to reach me, and I'm in a HAB designed to last 31 days. So in the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's delayed episode uh, of the Imaginary Movie Podcast. A podcast where sometimes we watch a movie and then we talk about it. My name's David. I'm Sam. And apologies from our co-host Ross, who had other adult commitments. Boo. Uh, This week, or more accurately last week, we watched The Martian from 2015.
1: We did, we did, yep,
0: yeah. and uh, we delay while I was on holiday. Um, we in Scotland means little for our international imaginary uh, listeners. Yes, well, we do
1: have we apparently do have two ima- um imaginary international listeners. Um if you can believe Theoretical it. Theoretical international listeners. Yes, if you can believe that. I know it's amazing, isn't it? Through the power of the internet. Um, they're hearing Fantastic. our voices. So the Martian. This was my suggestion and uh this is a film that i very much enjoy watching i'm also a bit of a space nerd and so like any movie where <laughs> a bit
0: a bit yeah
1: i have read books about the history of um jet fuel uh, rocket fuel not not rockets listener rocket fuel so that was just just so you understand the level of nerdery that um, i'm I'm. yeah I'm no, it's, for. it's
0: good really because it means i get a lot of it through osmosis it's kind of like um you read the primary sources and then i get the i get the, the culmination really i get the cliff notes which is nice yeah
1: the kind of distilled version that's that's slightly less um the interesting bits yeah well i wouldn't necessarily go that far but but so this so this is getting watched getting to watch a space movie is always a treat for me and
0: um, this is a very good space movie. I would say this is one of it is one so of the best. Before we talk about it as a whole, um, I just want to point something out. This is a film I saw in the cinema. Wow! Um, which isn't always the case with movies that we do, but this is kind of like during my what's the word? My like cinema renaissance, maybe five or six years ago, where I was going to the cinema. I probably went to the cinema, you know, twelve or fifteen times each year for about three years um, with various friends. Something I've not done since or before.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's probably my like two decades worth of cinema trips in in one year. For, for that point, I uh, very very rarely go to cinema. Uh, did store. you
0: see this in the cinema then, Sam?
1: Uh, no, no, no. I just watched it on DVD
0: or, or on street. Cinema watch. It's a good cinema more realistically watch. not DVD. God, yeah, <laughs> God, yeah. Old and so before we get bogged down in um, forgetting how to do a podcast because it's been some time. Do you want to read us a plot summary, Sam, and we'll jump from there?
1: Yes, I would
0: absolutely
1: love to read you a plot summary. I really, really would. Here, uh, an astronaut becomes stranded on Mars after his team assume him dead and must rely on his ingenuity to find a way to signal to Earth that he is alive. Um, And this is a story based off a book. Surprise, surprise! It's based off a book
0: by Andy Weir um, called Andy "The Weir. Martian." A very good book, actually. Generally,
1: uh, yeah, very good book. I so I saw the film first, and then I decided to to read the book. And it's not like it's not high fiction
0: in any sense. <laughs> in my mind, it's not it's not literature. It's a book you read on a plane or, or a beach. Yes, generally, <laughs>
1: generally, I say it's a very very nerdy and a very very science heavy book um not in in a way that bogs it down but in a, in a sense that this is um the author Andy Weir, who I think he was a video game journalist um or certainly you know uh, kind of writing that um that 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 area of not somebody who was a professional writer and he he decided to um write a book about someone going to Mars and it was actually published in a kind of weird way it was put online almost like chapter by chapter on his on his website. Yeah, it was
0: in, in a very old fashioned way, I think. Um in a way that's quite a lot of like Stephen King stuff initially was released in like not newspaper columns but in magazines like chapter by chapter and this this is similar but online on a blog I think.
1: Yeah, yeah and 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 then unlike um unlike the, the traditional story, I think he was approached by a literary agent um after he put it online I think like for like 99 cents on Kindle or something. Um, Went up the charts and was approached by a literary agent who, you know, sold the, who said, oh, by the way, this could make lots of money. Um, And there was a print version, which is what I read. And then I think you you end up uh, with this, with this really high profile movie. But it was, it's kind of Andy Weir. um, He's, he really comes from that kind of nerd uh, uh, writing, writing about video games, writing about all of these kind of computers and, and that stuff, and, and from that real like hard science fiction background as well, which I think he he was he, he spoke about reading and really getting into, and you can really see that as a, th- a thread throughout this is that it, this is this is pretty hard
0: science fiction, in a way that a lot of the books it's pretty like it's pretty perfectly realistic near future science fiction as well which like, quite so often is outlandish, whereas this is quite grounded, largely. And we'll get into more of that when we talk about the film properly. But mm. like largely this is you know, this is ten years in the future and then it really is believably ten years in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. And but but what they were what they in the film and, and, and Weir himself were very careful to do is to make sure that there was there was scientific accuracy as much as possible. Um and so there isn't there isn't like a warp drive equivalent or there isn't anything like that where you think hmm how did that happen generally throughout the book um, and the film it's as well it's all fairly believable and as somebody who is certainly no expert in space stuff but there was nothing in there other than a couple of things which we'll come to
0: where there's no magic bean is no we think what we often talk about that concept in film it's a magic beam where like let's use harry potter as an example the magic being in Harry Potter is literally magic. But it's like that's what you're asked to accept for all of it to make sense. Yeah. You, Whereas in the Martian, there isn't no, there isn't anything this film is asking you to accept outside of the realms of real world real world physics, largely. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who's quite impressive.
1: Somebody who's not a space nerd probably wouldn't notice them. It's only it's only the odd thing we say, oh, that's very, very lucky. <laughs> like or that wouldn't be the way that would happen. But it's all fairly, I think, um, uh, a fairly
0: kind of low, low, low scale. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's start to come out the film a little bit. And we start. I will start. As I always do the cast, and I'm sure we will get back into the book as we talk about the, like the content of the film because it's quite, I and mean, there's quite a lot that takes from the book, but the tone is very different, and there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll get into mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, so this film is like a Matt Damon vehicle, and Matt Damon is an actor who. I absolutely adore in almost everything he does I think I think he's you know really able to laugh at himself and that's not necessarily important for this film but I think that's just a really important for like a Hollywood a lister like Matt Damon
1: yeah but this is quite a funny movie isn't it and I think and so much of it leans on Matt Damon's ability to to sell the comedy in the book the character is um it has, you know, rights It's written in the first person, so he's, he's, you know, it's he's almost like a diary, and they, and they replicate that with video diaries in the film, and yeah, that really, really works. It really, really works in a way that's, you kind of, you have to have the right actor, and I think from the beginning, from from what I can read, that Matt Damon was was attached to this along with Ridley Scott, um, who was the director, really early on. And I think that was really important because they need they need to have that absolute safe-as-houses bankable actor who is going to be able to, one, deliver um, the the, the, the humour, is going to be able to carry an emotional weight as well and also just the sheer amount of pressure that he's going to be under because he's going to be by himself in a space suit um, on a set with 150 people watching him and the lights going and all these things. You need somebody who is going to be able to get the goods and deliver um, when he needs to, and I think a hundred percent, Matt Damon does such a good job in this film. Such a good job.
0: Yeah, and and it's kind of like an all star sort of cast and production side. I mean, like we just you just mentioned, it was directed by Ridley Scott, who is, you know, one of one of my favorite directors. Um, generally, he's done like quite a lot of what I would consider the best films I've ever seen. Um. Mm. Yeah. Which is cool. He did Alien, which. Is the best horror film ever? Fight Me, Internet, um, Blade Runner, which is gorgeous and lovely, and definitely the best Philip K. Dick adaptation. Um, and then you've got more recent things like Gladiator, which is amazing, but that's a conversation for a different time, I mm. suppose. Mm. Yeah. And then you know, more recently, he's done this, um, The Martian, which is kind of one of my one of my favourite sort of cinema experiences of of that sort of era um in terms of like it's a film it's a really nerdy film for nerds that that that's you know ultimately there's loads of really broad stuff in this but ultimately it's like wouldn't it be cool to go to mars you know yeah and then less um, cool when uh, when
1: you're left behind but you see you say i think it is it does what it does what mass market mo- mass you know mass market movies should do which is um it's be enough for the people who just want to go in and enjoy a good movie. I think that's where Matt Damon and that's when the excellent um, uh, the, the excellent production value the production team and, and all the cinematography does such a good job because it makes it so accessible. They also the script I think is is really really well written in that it gives the audience a sense of um, stake the, the, the stakes it, it sets them out so clearly and so you know you know what the problem is. You know what the problem is, even if you don't necessarily understand orbital mechanics, which you know 99% of people you don't don't, and also don't need to. You can go in and still understand what is the problem and what the solution is, and you can see the process of them.
0: um, uh, uh, They they, they do it very well, explaining some really complex scientific things to the audience very quickly and without sort of like having to get up a chalkboard once or twice. They do bring up a whiteboard. The big example being the hexadecimal alphabet, not something I'm familiar with, but apparently Ridley Scott just could not get his head around it at all. Yes. Um, So in the film, it's kind of like a, basically it's a way for them to talk when he can only sort of get the camera to move to sort of 12 degrees of separation, I think. And and so it's a way for them to talk in a very complex manner. But Ridley Scott and a few of the cast just, just could not boggle it at all, yeah. so it's really Leave fun it to talk about like that, Leave it to the but nerds. It's, a, it's basically, the film does a really good job of explaining that because Matt Damon goes, well basically it's a really, really nerdy scientific language which I can use because it's shorter than the alphabet, and it's like that's obviously a, a dumbed down version because we're idiots, but Like that's a really quick and easy way to make the audience understand what you're doing. Yeah, Uh, an understanding that you don't need to educate the audience on every minut every bit of minutia in this film. You just need to make them understand like cause and effect, which is I think is like this film's quite sparing with and good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, like I said, there's some really complex physics going on in this film, sort of, but it's not you know a scientist explaining physics to you
1: yeah and I think I compare it to um, another one of my favourite space movies also featuring Matt Dame actually Interstellar which I love I mean oh Ooh, baby oh give me some Interstellar every single day I love that movie oh, right, oh, right, oh, right. <laughs> but what what that movie probably doesn't do is what you described which is it, it it yes it's very scientifically accurate just like the Martian yes it still has that emotional core just like the Martian and there's comedy there as well. But um what it what it also what it does at the end of Interstellar is it really goes heavy on some theoretical physics like Yeah, like in a we way that to, we go to bonkers Town. Yeah. And I think it, I think the short version is like love is like a dimension or something, and so if things things exist in love, then they exist throughout time, and so you can use yeah. that to and anyway. But we'll save all this good stuff for the Interstellar, interstellar but, episode. Yes, which... but my, my, my point is, though, is that this film doesn't, like, go into itself. It doesn't start navel-gazing. It doesn't get too invested in the science. And I think you know, it's not there to make a point. It's there to almost educate, which is what Scott was. I think Scott was interested in this film because it was a chance to educate about science and also to give entertain. But I think... A bit like Apollo 13, another great space movie. God, I love space movies. Um, a bit like Apollo 13 where I think it's more, the effect actually is more about entice, it, getting people excited about space travel. And that's what I think this film does so well and really, really nails that like sense of, wow, oh, this is cool, which so much comes through the cast. It comes through Damon. It comes through um, a lot of the other, the kind of grand crew as well. Um, we've got Jeff Daniels. He plays the NASA
0: um, kind of uh, 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 administrator, the head NASA dude, and he's kind of almost the antagonist in this. He is. He is a bit. He's yeah. the politician. Like, um, so to talk about, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the plot just briefly. So, we said earlier, so Matt Damon's on Mars. He gets, this an accident, he gets stuck on Mars, and basically NASA find out he's alive, and they're really like, do we tell people? What can we do? And and Jeff Daniels is kind of like the guy who wants to not tell anyone, and he wants to not tell the other members of the crew, and he wants to kind of like keep it quiet. And and, and, ev- and everyone else is disagreeing with him, but he's the boss, and it's kind of like this funny sort of thing where he's not a bad guy, but he is absolutely like an obstacle that several people have to surmount in this. Film he's the money so man, well isn't he? That.
1: He's the money man, and along that you've got um, Christian Wig, who plays like the PR, um, the head of head of media, head of PR. And she's, she's very much, she's kind of with Jeff Daniels in that sense of like, oh shit, how do we manage this? And everyone's thinking about yeah. the, the effect of it, and not necessarily about, which is, I think, exaggerated in a certain sense, because I think if this happened in real life, NASA would tell everyone immediately. There would not be any of that because it's a variable that you can't, you don't want to have to deal with. However, you know, we've seen in like the Challenger disasters and we've seen in, um, uh, and Colombia as well the, the space shuttles which were destroyed like the culture inside nasa has been has been at certain times not very good in terms of like
0: well, i think letting this the scientists what do illustrates their job. It quite well is like stuff like that is really bad for the press and if the press for nasa is bad nasa's funding is bad so in order to continue to do what they do like they really need to sort of you know there is a political aspect to that and i think oh, that's captured very well in yeah. this especially in that modern political aspect of that sort of like 24 hour news cycle and you know the internet and and just how as soon as those pictures are leaked they'll be out there and people will see them and and that's kind of like a you know it feels very i know this is 2015 but it's you know oh, look at the near future so we're probably talking like late 2020s i think is a sort of like idea behind this and and it feels very contemporary, yeah. in the, the best way possible. Well,
1: look at the recent uh, um, launches of the, the the two American astronauts on American um, on American rocket from American soil, like that. That use of America, America, America was you know is there to support the current president's um, um, kind of foreign policy ambitions and America first and that stuff. So you, yeah. you're still seeing it now, and I think that's the bit that it crystallizes really well. It does go a little bit yeah. like movie. Um, exaggerated there's, a little there's bit. There's quite
0: a lot of like movie magic in terms of. I mean, there's there's a bit towards the end of the film, which I'm sure we'll get into, where like China's like, "Oh, we'll help you out, pal, and we'll resolve any sort of ideological problems by helping you out with this thing." And it's kind of like, "Oh, that only really works in a movie, but it's fine, yeah. you know." Well,
1: I guess the um, Russian, the Russians kind of they did that a little bit, of that didn't they? Exactly. But yeah, there is, there is, there is kind of there is some of that.
0: So then on the other side though, you've got the um, the kind of technical crew. Well, no. Before we do that, I wanted to say so we've got like, like you said, the technical crew, but sort of like the two are two sort of good guys on the ground, so to speak. You've got Sean Bean, who's kind of like the, for lack of a better word, he's the he's the astronauts' team coach, essentially. Yeah, he's like the yeah the 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 guy. He's the retired astronaut, I think, who's like on their side, and he's the one who's trained them, and he's got the closest relationship with them, and so he's like. You know, the, you know, the, the, we need to tell them everything and we need to do this, and X, Y, and Z, and, and kind of like the moral compass, really, um, although he doesn't often get his way. And opposite him, you've got, um, uh, Chuatel um, who's a great actor, who's very good in lots of things. Um, and he's kind of like the, the business side to that. Um, when we get quite a lot of him, like, running around organizing things, he's the man who's doing the work, so to speak.
1: Mm, mm, yeah. And, th- and those two, um, Just but Mackenzie Davis as well, who plays like I think she's a fairly junior, um, uh, uh, satellite analyst, I guess. uh, Yeah, she's the one who
0: spots. You know, she's a temp almost. (laughs) Yeah, she spots it. So then she's in the movie as like the, she's the person who needs to be making sure that it's monitored, and then she's sort of like in it. But she's good in this. She's good. So the the last person, and this is where I'm going to
1: start moaning slightly, is Donald Glover
0: that's not the last person but go on
1: well no it's not the last person but the last person in the kind of NASA crew Donald Glover and he he plays he's like a bit of a weird character he's he's you know he's a bit of a
0: he's a bit of a recluse. he's Abed he's, from community
1: yes yeah exactly yeah hes sat there uh, behind the scenes with the computers with the, with the supercomputer trying to figure out and he manages to figure out a new way of getting them there quicker and that is total bollocks because like he's he's oh we, we could use a gravity assist and everyone's like wow we've never heard of that before even though we've been doing that for about you know
0: since the 60s (laughs) so we know how again it's kind of like for the pacing of a movie it it kind of needs to be this oh guys guys all you old suits guess what we can do this really cool young thing and as they got done it's fine but like it's i think thematically in the movie it works
1: it's okay and it's in the book as well it is in the book but that is a bit that i'm just like you know, I think all I think all of NASA would have tried what you're suggesting. I don't think you, it's actually possible for you to come up with something new by yourself. You know, like this is not this is not how science works. Science works in there's a lot of smart people who are able to to figure this out. I mean, literally the entire world would be looking at this problem. You know, there wouldn't be um, there wouldn't be just that it possible for that to happen. So, yeah. But anyway, it's a slight like moan. The other, the, the kind of rest of it is probably the crew. Then the the crew who leave. Uh, before we
0: move on to the crew, Sam, just somebody you haven't mentioned who I really like. Generally, he's a hey, that's that, hey, it's that guy, the like chief engineer who's building all of these rockets. Um, is played by Benedict Wong. Oh yeah, he, he's the guy, um, JPL. Rec- yeah, yeah, he, you'll recognize as he's been in loads of stuff, but specifically he's uh he plays imaginatively a character called Wong in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, there you go, <laughs> and um. And a few other things he's in uh, Netflix series and and various other stuff. But he's, you know, he's a hey, it's that guy. He's in tons of stuff, and I generally like really like actors at that level who are just you know, getting a paycheck. Yeah, you see, you see him
1: turn up, and, and he does a really good job, and it's actually a
0: selling an exasperated engineer who's trying to. Um, he's Scotty. He's Scotty from Star Trek. Yeah, but, he's trying to. You know, he's trying to give the the, the, the the. It's great. A little bit more, Captain.
1: So then we got the crew. And I want, let's how long not,
0: will it take? Two weeks. I want it in 10 days. Yeah, there's a great scene, <laughs> you know. just
1: just as a side, there's a great scene where um, I think uh, 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 Jeff Daniels says, Well, you've got you've got six days. And a guy lifts up a sign, like a, a board that has no written off in marker. And he says,
0: Yes, that's fine. We can do it. <laughs> Which it's, really great. it's great there's loads of good Jeff Daniel lines between the two of them because yeah. they're sort of saying he says "Well, how long will it take and he goes oh you know six months and he goes listen you're going to say six months I'm going to say two months and we'll settle on three so I want it in three months yeah. and it's kind of like this wonderful subversion of that kind of like trope where they, they'll haggle over how long he wants it done in we're not doing this we're not doing this Yeah.
1: Thing. Um. so then we've got the crew Jessica
0: Chastain she plays the captain Um. I don't love Jessica Chastain as an actor I think she's okay in this but I don't love her as an actor.
1: I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think about what are the things that um, she's been in. She's in she's in Interstellar, isn't she? She plays the grown up, yeah. um, the, the grown up uh, daughter. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really have an opinion, but I think she's fine in this. I she does. I don't, don't right massively
0: dislike her. I just I just nothing her really. Mm. Um, and in and in this, I kind of I don't know. She's fine. Uh, that's all I have to say about it.
1: Yeah, and then I mean, that's not. Isn't, I don't think there's anyone else a real kind of merit uh, to note in the crew. But it's a good, it's a good all-round performance. It's quite uh, a big Michael cast, Pena. isn't it? Really,
0: there's quite a lot. Michael Pena, Pena is a really good actor. Yeah, yeah. He plays. Uh, he plays one of the uh, the pilot basically, um, and he's he's really really funny, and and he doesn't really get to do much of that in this, but like. Even so, he's still pretty We've funny. also
1: got Kate Mara as well, who is probably most famous for being
0: the reporter in... Um... Being thrown in front of a train for in the second season of House yeah. of Cards. Spoilers for House oh, of Cards. Goddamn House of Cards. I
1: really like that show, and I'm so annoyed that creepy, lecherous man ruined it by... Yeah, how
0: dare Kevin Spacey be a scumbag and a good actor? Yeah,
1: because it's, really, it's a really good show.
0: But it's... although Although, a good actor playing scumbags... Yeah, he's very good at that, isn't he? Look at American Beauty. <laughs> name a name a great Kevin Spacey film where he isn't playing um a pedophile or a criminal or a murderer. That's a good point. That's a good point. I can't think of that off the top of my head. So acting, real life, it's there's
1: lines, there's lines, you know. <laughs> so then we get so that that's the that's the cast. And I think as I said, I think it's a really it's quite a big cast. It's quite an unusually big cast, actually, because you get a lot of
0: it's quite star-studded, isn't it? There's yeah. a, like, I know obviously this is a film I saw in the cinema, and it's only five years old, so it's a lot of people who are still, you know, still at the forefront. Now it's not like when we talk about a twenty-year-old film where a lot of these people have faded off. Everyone who appears in this is either start, just starting their career or kind of in the mm-hmm. middle of it. I would say, and there's, there's there's no one on this cast who is at the end of their no, career. And I
1: think it's a good, it's a, you know, I think what's what you get when you've got Matt Damon and really Scott. You can you
0: can attract this talent and also you can pay for it as well because. Well, that's why Matt Damon signed on to this. It wasn't necessarily because of the script or the film. It was because he wanted to work with Ridley yeah. Scott.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is And that's just
0: sort of like and obviously we talked about Ridley Scott being this incredibly like multi generational like director who, you know, I think is responsible for so many wonderful innovations mm-hmm. in Hollywood.
1: No one's gonna say no and, to him, are they? And
0: So you're gonna you're going to attract the best of the best and they're gonna work for less money and you're gonna get your film made and it's gonna be something like this. Which is a film which I think really relies on the performances of the characters to sell, you know, the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, there's just, there's, again, it's that safe pair of hands in a way that you're not going to get, you know, outside of, of, I kind of maybe, he's up there with the Spielbergs, isn't he, in terms of like, okay, you can deliver a, a, a good watchable movie, definitely, through this. Yeah. So, the, so there's a, the, the, I guess I guess maybe one thing to start with just in terms of a kind of a production thing is just how goddamn good this looks and how how it looks just like Mars they do such a good job of getting this really really firstly the set that they're in and the, the kind of hab where they're living on Mars or where, or where where Mark
0: Well I have a bit of trivia on this about the production Sam so a lot of the Mars scenes especially with the hab and basically whenever Matt Damon is driving around. Are all filmed in? Um, forgive my pronunciation if this is bad. Wadi Rum in Jordan, um, mm-hmm. which is a World Heritage Site, and loads of stuff that's on Mars is filmed there
1: because it's absolutely. I mean, um, I mean number one, it's red, and and I'm sure yeah. they've I'm sure they've saturated things up a bit, and you know they've really at, gone through a red filter to make it even more. But also. Um, the landscape just has this real, uh, you know, it's it's just a perfect Martian. Lots
0: of big mountains, red yeah. sand, lots of dust storms, and,
1: and I think that is such an important choice because you could try and film this in in a back lot and you could try and film it in um, even somewhere in America, where you know presumably easier to film, maybe Death Valley or Arizona, which you know they have like there are uh, experiments and stuff going on where people go off and live for three months in the middle of a desert. To try and simulate, you know, the the kind of effects. Of, yeah. But
0: they could have done Sam but I think like we've talked before about leaning on film shorthand, and and because this this location has been used before, you know, Mission to Mars, Red Planet, both two thousand and the last days on Lawrence of Arabia, Red Planet, but not the <laughs> other two. Lawrence, you know, a lot because so many things were filmed there. It's kind of like it's it's film shorthand for this is Mars. Mm-hmm. So. It, by filming it there, you kind of like you've already got a portion of your viewers who will accept that being Mars just because they've been told it's Mars before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I think I just I just want as a starting point for, I think just it, it just sells it so well, and and you you completely believe that this guy's on Mars, and I think from there, you you kind of get over that that suspension of disbelief is really easy, easy to do because then you're not have, you're not looking around for the, you know where's the. Telegraph pole or something that you can see in the distance. It just, it's, it's just really, really well done.
0: Um, Lots of matte paintings in this film as well. Oh, really? Yeah, you can tell. Um, I watched this uh, at Ross's house um, last week, and we watched it. Ross got a four K TV, and I'm an old person, and therefore, a four K TV is probably a bit much for me. It looked a bit janky on a four K mm. TV, but you could pick out when it was a matte painting and when it was a proper landscape. That's cool. And obviously, quite a lot of the you know, obviously, when they're portraying sort of Mars um, features, and there's—I don't know if about about them to string any off on the top of my off the top of my head. Um, but they're—you they're, know—they're quite specific. We've been looking at, at telescopes for you know, god knows how many decades now, so they're quite familiar. And I think quite a lot of those are map paintings of what it might look like up close, or what we've got from the rover and various other things. Yeah, because um, like quite a lot of the far shots, and this is this is the case in a lot of films. It, you get a much better looking shot if you map painting it rather than CGI. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's still an effective. I mean, I, I presume there's you know they they kind of somewhere in between where it's not a physical map painting necessarily anymore, but you still get such a, yeah. a, a really a really good effect. The 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 other aspect which is kind of linked to this is is the involvement of NASA, and I think they were really, yeah. I think NASA's got a really really good outreach um, team. They've got like they know and they understand that their role is also to. Get the word out and educate through traditional science and uh, its traditional education tools. You know, explaining the science and all that stuff. But also, they're really good at adding to the kind of cultural um, zeitgeist because it's a public company. You, you're able to obviously they need to put stuff out there. So you you'll always see a NASA on a space film. You'll always see a NASA badge. Like they'll just go for it. They don't mind that being used. But also, they sent across hundreds and hundreds of photos. You know, from the rovers. Um, of, of Mars to give kind of decent reference for the film crew to be able to set up um also along with the screens and, and how the Hab would look and all these other things so that you get that real authentic feel, it doesn't feel like if uh, a science fiction movie, it feels like as you say this is 10, 15 years in the future and from there, yeah. again that suspension disbelief and that real thing of this guy's on Mars, go for it I think you, you get that really well
0: no, totally, and, and and this is kind of like I think a lot of people, especially at NASA, sort sort of thought saw this as a way to basically drum up public support for a manned mission mm-hmm. to Mars, which has been talked about for a few years now, and we definitely could technologically do it. the The rub becomes like, how would we then get our astronauts back from Mars, um, which is the bigger question, really. Like, and this film touches on that quite a lot, as well as like. How crippling would it be for space exploration if we sent astronauts to Mars and they all died on Mars?
1: Yeah, the answer is you know and and
0: the, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you look at like um, how how few launches we've had since sort of the Challenger explosion and and the, you know the other tragedies that we had, and you know, and then the more we get into this sort of digital era where you know everything is news seconds after it's happened, I think the more difficult it is for the public to swallow stuff like that. You know, if a, if a shuttle exploded now and killed ten people on board, I think that would shut, that would ground like ninety nine percent of flights and, and launches for years, and and just because of the media that would come out and that we'd all have we'd be watching videos of it almost as it happens. Yeah, you know, like HD videos of it, and, and I think that'll be quite disturbing for the public. Well, as as we speak,
1: um, um, the the two astronauts who went up recently um, are coming back down to earth. Uh, you know, they're, they're coming for the first splashdown. Um, of of American um, astronauts in, in a long time and and you know that's not with that we've done this lots but it's not without risk you know it's, it's really not without risk yeah um so uh th- th- there's there's quite a lot to there's quite a lot to to still be concerned about um so it's it's yeah and I think I think you're right in in terms of NASA's role of like we want to get this um we want to get this film made and we want to support this because it does, it helps create that kind of cultural zeitgeist that they need Yeah, totally, totally to to, to, um, to really to sell the ideas
0: not necessarily... Well, especially NASA being publicly funded by you know one of the largest economies in the world who is famous for spending fritting money on shit like, you know, troops and things um, You know, I think it really is important to have Voters, and this is the way you gotta look at it, like really invested in seeing NASA succeed.
1: Yeah, and even in a, even in even in a failure, Um in the same way that they called Apollo thirteen, them you know NASA's most successful failure because they managed to get the the guys home, and like I think there's yeah there's a
0: real um there's a real kind of purpose for that. Yeah. But it really comes across in this film, like you said, the, the NASA's involvement, and I think that there were you know, there were questions going back and forth for months and, and NASA they were basically like, does this look alright? Does this look alright? And they didn't listen to everything, and one thing, one thing I want to touch on before we go on is the suits. So, when I was watching this, and obviously with my, you know, we're going to be talking about this head, it seems to me quite consistent that like, the space suits that they're wearing on Mars seem really small compared to how big space suits actually are. mm um, and that's an actual thing. So basically, NASA had mocked them up some some suit designs um, of what it would look like, and essentially um, Ridley Scott came back and said, "Right, well, they're barely going to be able to move in these because you know that's how spacesuits work." Uh, so they slimmed it down quite a lot so that you can see Matt Damon's like physical physicality when he's sort of walking around on the surface of Mars is a little bit more pronounced because um, the suits just that a little bit more lightweight. Um, so it's, it's I don't think it detracts from the film at all. But like, I just wanted to mention it as a, as a thing. Like, obviously, this is a film, and and you know they wanted to be able to emote and and have all of that.
1: Yeah, and that's important. I think it's a, I think it's good to um, to not let the science completely dominate every single decision because it's it's not good to look at. And I think sometimes you want you want filmmakers to say, okay, yeah, fine, well, we're going to reject that. Thank you very much, NASA, because that doesn't look good on on movies, or that's that's not yeah. going to add. To the entertainment, it's gonna it's gonna be cumbersome, um, and to go back to the book a little bit, there's some of that in the book, and there's some things where you're like, he, he kind of writes himself into a corner a little bit because um, yeah. he needs something to happen for plot reasons, and so he has to then think about the science of that. Why would ha- what you know, what would happen if this happened? And then he has to kind of like work his way round and figure out how to get back to the point where it's resolvable or, or, or what fixes the problem or whatever it is, and, and it does it in a pretty good way. Um, but I think there's still an element of like having to just go a little bit too far into the into the science. Yes, science.
0: and there's a big thing I want to talk about towards the end. But I think to get us back on track a little bit um, because we've just been talking about NASA for twenty minutes, um, which is fine. Uh, so to talk about the central conflict of this film so obviously we touched on from an Earth point of view NASA are trying to they figure out Matt Damon isn't dead and they're trying to figure out a way to a keep him alive until uh, they can send a man shuttle to get him uh, which is something that like we're told going to be four years and and on the from Matt Damon's point of view it's kind of very similar he's got to figure out a way to survive in the immediate term so he's been injured and he's got to repair some stuff and then he's got to figure out how he's going to feed himself for you know four years longer than they were sent than the supplies they were sent with would last mm mm-hmm. um which is kind of like like I said the, like the central conference of this film is 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 Matt Damon needs food and how is he going to get food and and essentially he grows potatoes um which is a wonderfully simple like yeah let's mm, go well this <laughs> you know? this is one
1: of the things that I really really love about this movie. <laughs> And it comes down to like an astro, you know, you, 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 there's, to be an astronaut, you have to obviously be very clever and you need to be able to, you know, you need to be, able to be physically fit enough and all these things that you need to do. But really, you need to have that problem solving mindset. And, what I, and I think it's what Andy Weir absolutely nails in the book and what this film carries over perfectly is that astronauts are about they're about solving problems they're about solving problems and that's pretty much what, well, what science is there's a line is. that
0: Matt Damon says later in the film Sam which I think probably some sort of better than we can and he says he's, he's giving a lecture when he's back on Earth, spoilers, he survives um, and and he says to the students, he says listen, being an astronaut, it's about solving problems um, so if you're ever in trouble, and you will be because space is dangerous as fuck you know, find a problem Solve it, and then you solve the next problem and the next one. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come yeah. home. And that's kind of like a the film. I think is a lot more light hearted than the book. The book is quite bleak in yeah. parts. Um, and and obviously the film for you know obviously making a film that people want to watch. Point of view um, is a little bit more upbeat and a little bit less. A little bit less of this guy being really suicidal and skeletally thin. You get some of that, but the book is much more about you know the psychological impact of being isolated on a whole planet by yourself for you know over 4 know 4, four years or so yeah. like a year, 4 years or something whatever yeah. it is and, and that quote and, that um, quote
1: really comes from some I mean there's a there's a great and it's a real quote you know it's work work let's work the problem and uh, let's not make things worse by guessing which is a line um from Apollo 13 uh, and and the, the uh, uh, Ed Harris says and that's like that is the that is the mindset like work the problem, you know, let's let's not make things worse and that's, you kind of really and see that. That's
0: kind of the driving force of this film isn't it? So Matt Damon's arc is he gets um, injured in this imaginary dust storm and we'll get into the science of why that wouldn't happen in a minute um, he's injured in this dust storm, he wakes up um, first job is to do some self-surgery um, where I love a good self-surgery scene it's very like Ronin. It really I've having watched it really recently because they use the same mirror mirror yeah. um, It's just great magic. They use a, yeah, exactly. They use the same mirror misdirection to like have him stapling something that isn't actually his stomach, but it's you can see it in a mirror and the the aspect the aspect's different and it's again quite a clever but simple filmmaking technique. So you have him solve that problem and then he says, right. Now I need he sits down he figures out how much food he's got he figures out how much power he'll need and water etc um and he kind of like and you have that real sort of he solves one thing he cleans the solar panels he fixes one of the rovers um he sees how far we can get a rover to go like you see him incrementally sort of building and building and building and building until eventually he like figures out a way to talk to earth and you know and then from there they kind of figure it out between them but it's just really sort of like Watching it with Ross, actually, interestingly, um, because he hasn't read the book and he's maybe not as into space as the two of us are. So I kind of would have liked to have him on it, but that's what it is. He said, the one thing that he finds with the film is that Matt Damon's too clever. Mm. Like, he's too good at solving problems. But I think that is the film's fault for maybe not explaining enough how um, multi-specialised astronauts have to be. So, in the book, the Mark Watney character, who's who's the character Matt Damon portrays, um, is has has um, two masters degrees, uh, two PhDs. Sorry, he's got one in botany and one in mechanical engineering. But in the film, I think they only ever mentioned botany.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is
0: so and, and... so. It kind of like him being able to fix all this stuff and do all this stuff. Kind of, I guess if you're a layman, and we are laymen as well, we're all idiots. But it feels very much like yeah, sure. And now he's going to like build a rocket out of scraps and but it's not that i think it's really well portraying how educated and how rigorous the training process for astronauts is yeah that they do need to know how to fix almost everything that could go wrong because if you're up in space on a ship you know and something goes wrong you have to be able to fix it you cannot call rac
1: and that and that and that, again that's it's just it's that astronaut <laughs> mindset i think it's a fair criticism though actually because i think there is a lot of stuff in this where it's quite convenient some it's quite convenient the book is the book is the same. That there's a few things that happen. You're like, mm, okay, it's lucky you've got that. Number one, it's lucky they've got the water um, re- uh, reclamation uh, device, which you know isn't really a thing, and and so you kind of have to like believe that. But it's okay. They have the 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 ability to um, uh, you know he has enough potatoes left, and there's stuff like that. And you think, okay, that's good. Yeah. The other one is the is the the Radioactive um, orb thing that they planted, they buried, which he uses to heat the, the
0: the the. Well, I was reading about this, and that's technically that's the only big issue with that is it would be too yeah. hot. Yeah, well, that,
1: it, it's a real thing. I'm saying it's a, it's a real thing, but I think it's it's just there's a lot of convenient stuff that they managed to keep it and all these things like that. You know that they, they wouldn't they wouldn't um, they wouldn't get rid of that somehow. Uh, but but again, it's you know it's small stuff, and I think what you what you end up seeing is you end up seeing that process from one problem to the next problem to the next problem, and it's all logical and it all makes sense, and it's also a, quite entertaining to, to watch, which I think is you know like this could be a really really dry movie about orbital physics and someone explaining how that works, but actually they don't go into that, they don't go into the the the, the nitty gritty of it too much. They just give you the the basics and, and 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 from there let you get on and watch what happens rather than you know as you say there isn't that many whiteboard scenes <laughs> there's maybe only one or two or they or they try and do a different way to visualize what's happening so you understand without having to you know listen to all this boring this boring science stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen to two nerds from 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 britain talk about yeah it, yeah. yeah um but like you said, it's, it's kind of like towing that fine line of like, obviously, we're massive nerds who will watch a film and then read the book about it. And most people aren't like that. Uh, most people aren't even the sort of people who would listen to a podcast like this, let alone make yeah. a podcast like this. So well done, listener, because you're um, like but, three levels of nerdery now. Well done, listener. Exactly. Um, but you know, the book is really good and it, like, it goes into that science a bit more and it's just that bit more satisfying from mm-hmm. that point of view where the film touches on a lot of stuff but obviously from a point of view that it is a major motion picture this isn't something that was this is a high budget like star studded directed by Ridley fucking Scott yeah. film over oh, 100 million so, like it doesn't really have cost it doesn't really have time to spend 40 minutes and like stop the plot dead to explain something yeah. to you What um, don't we
1: like then because we're going on about how much we love this film what
0: what are the things and I'll let you start but what are the things you don't like I I really don't like uh, the space gym. The space gym. Um, so on the ship that, um, so we're told that the ship that the astronauts go from Earth to Mars on, is something that was designed to be used by all four of these missions. So there was meant to be four missions or five maybe, and the ship basically is going to sort of was built in assembled in space and is quite big and looks very much like a you know something from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, and it's going to sort of like go around Earth to, you know, refuel, go back to Mars and do that four or five times. And you have this kind of like spinny thing and and Kate Mara is on a treadmill in this like gym section of the ship. And, and it was just a bit like there are too many windows here. This would never, ever be OK because like with the best will in the world, you don't need windows. Mm hmm. You have, you have, you have, um, you have. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you have readouts for that. You don't need to be looking at something because you're in space. You know, you've got sensors and you've got other stuff, and you can have little portholes. You don't need these massive. It just felt a bit too like not even the ships in Star Trek are this luxurious, and and that that kind of like jarred with me. It's very pretty and it looks amazing, but it's a bit like you know this is a space mission and this thing is like you know i've seen hotels that five four stars hotel hotels that look shittier than this spaceship yeah it's all very pretty isn't it
1: even even the nasa even the nasa um uh, ground control is like super sleek and i think some of the nasa people have have said like oh we should look like this cuz actually a lot of the NASA buildings were built in the 60s or 50s, so
0: yeah, they're all quite. So they say it's like a, it's like a college. Yeah, they're all, that's the quote, isn't it? Yeah. It's full of just they're, like they're all quite dilapidated, it's full of unshaven people in two-day-old clothes, <laughs> drinking coffee. Yeah, uh, it's not as sleek and sexy as it appears in this film, and that's fine. I think it's Hollywood, and it needs to, and it's obviously trying to sort of like push that agenda, really that NASA agenda, which is fine. But like, it's just a bit too clean mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm.
1: The things that the one of the things I don't like is the film. The film kind of it kind of tries a little bit too hard to sell um, Matt Damon as being like super funny and 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 maybe this, as you say, because in the book he has moments a little bit more of like total despair. And you go from one chapter where he's like, "Wow, I managed to fix this thing. I'm feeling good," and then the next chapter is it doesn't work. I'm completely distraught. And I think there's you could you could maybe accuse him of being a little bit like smarmy, maybe, and just. And I guess they're trying he's, to just. Dis-
0: it's it's kind of like almost like all those scenes of the low points were cut. Yeah, and that's not the case because I think, I think the, the original
1: cut of the film like, was two and two hours and forty minutes. Or something so they had, you know the long movie they had yeah. to get down, and um, it's still quite long. But I think there's, I just, I, I, I feel like um, he's a little bit too much of a joker, and it kind of gets in the way of of maybe some of the plot. You do want that in it, you know. When he says, "I'm going to science the shit out of it," that's brilliant, and it's really, really, it's really, really well delivered, and you, and it, it really captures the essence of the movie in that. However, there's certain yeah, points but you kind where of need for me.
0: You, you want? I need the, I need the depression. You want the I need the like. I need him standing in the airlock without a suit on, like, you know, rocking back and forth. I need that low point of like my potato crop's been destroyed, there's no way I'm gonna live. And you kinda need one or two scenes peppered in there where, you know, you show that this character is kind of like, you know, maybe a bit not bipolar, but you know, he's a bit like the way he's dealing with this is through humour and and I don't think the film does a very good job of portraying. Have you seen
1: Moon? Um No Rock Sam Rockwell. Uh, that's
0: a good film. That's Ooh, based in,
1: Do you like Sam Rockwell? Yeah, he's he's excellent, and it's a, it's a great movie. But it's it does it. I think it captures the loneliness, and that's what yeah, this film which is. Something this film doesn't really do. doesn't do, do because and, and a lot of that's to do with how they switch back be, between the characters, um, between Earth and the the rest of the crew on the Ares three, and Mark Watney, and so you, it it intersperses between them quite a lot, and so I think you could maybe. Um, you can maybe do without some of that splitting around. So you could have more time just Mark Watney. Where you really, really focus on what he's doing and it's and you see the bleakness of it. And then you switch away and you don't and, and you come back later on. And I think maybe it could just do with that a little bit more pacing um, in between. But, you know, it's 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 a relatively small point. But I just feel like you could have gone a different way. And maybe they chose to go lighter because it's a it's more sellable. You know, they can sell that in a way that's a bit more
0: um, entertaining. No, totally. I think I think that's right. I think that's definitely right. Um, what else don't I like? Like I, said, I mentioned before, so towards the end of the film, um, they they try and put together a probe to send some supplies to Watney um, to, to Matt Damon on Mars, and it blows up just after it takes off, um, which is a bit challenging, and kind of like jarring, I think, but good. And then after that sort of we we sort of go to the chinese equivalent of nasa and they've got a, they've got a probe that, that um that they, they they say approach nasa and say you know listen we want to help you get your astronaut back so you can use our probe but we want to you know we want to be involved in the Ares program which is the program to sort of you know explore mars um so you have this lovely like film magic sort of oh relations between china and the us are now great which is fine, but like, again, it's just a little bit convenient. And you have these two people have this conversation that says, Oh, the US don't know we have this. They definitely do. spies exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so if we don't tell them, then they'll never know we had it. And like, um, well, won't they know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like leaning on this like international brotherhood of astronauts, which it pushes the bounds of like believability a bit much. I think. Yeah, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. Like from a film point of view, it's a really good turn, and it leads to quite quite a few like nice sort of really uplifting scenes towards the end.
1: I, yeah, I think it's a good. I mean, there there is that kind of, and during the during the Cold War, there was still cooperation um, between between the Russians and, and and America, and you still. So I think there isn't like an element of that, and it's trying to maybe re. Um, kind of readdress that a little bit in a kind of modern sense uh, where obviously China's got a... Few, yeah, maybe you're but, right. But yeah, I know what you mean. It does feel a little bit a little bit forced and a little bit too much like it's trying to make a point. Um, but yeah, so... But, you know, as we go through the things that we don't like, generally it's all pretty limit, uh, minimal. I think it's sometimes quite difficult to, like, talk about a film like this because it's all just so good. Like, there's just... It, there's well, just so much
0: fun. Part, part of the reason we're recording this without Ross, um, obviously he's busy but i think maybe if it had been a film he was like mad to talk about then we would have delayed but he said like he didn't really know what we would talk about when we talked about this film and i kind of understand that like if you're not a massive science nerd this is a this is a good film that's fun to watch but you know you maybe don't have a lot to say about it afterwards mm,
1: mm. and i think my 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 love of this movie and 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 very much tied to your love it of space. Is, it is and i think i think You know that that's for me what it gets, and I think we're maybe coming to wrapping up now. That's for me what it really, really gets right. Is it really, really sells space travel, and it and it does it does such a good job of bringing together all of the different aspects of space travel. And that's actually why I really love space. It's why I love learning about it. Is because it's not just it's not just one thing. You know, if you want to learn about um. If you want to learn about space, you've got to learn about spacesuits. You know, so you need to understand how human beings can live in space and all the
0: different requirements. It well, takes. you need to understand. You yeah. need to understand, like on the base level, Sam. You need to understand how gravitational forces. Yeah, you need work to orbital, orbital mechanics.
1: Like, you need to understand orbital
0: mechanics, how atmosphere rockets. works. Rockets. You um, need to
1: understand all of these things, all of these different aspects that come together to create one of you know, like it, hu- human beings. Um, biggest challenge and biggest you know the final frontier and all that stuff is because it comes down to these this kind of multidisciplinary um approach and so you have to kind of you have to learn all about that and i think this film really really gives you a sense because he can grow crops on mars he can use nuclear um he can use radiation to heat his 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 car you know on space then he has to go into and dismantle a rocket so there's engineering in that
0: he goes into orbit under a tarp, and I think that's. There's a lot. There was a lot of um, sort of internet buzz at the time of like that's bullshit. That can never happen. And so let's talk about now the sort of scientific accuracy of this film a little bit. So actually, all of that mad stuff that happens at the end is all theoretically mm-hmm. possible. Um, and and as far as I know, and I mean, you, obviously, I think you'll probably have more concise thoughts on this. The only thing in this film that is. Invented to drive the plot forward is the storm on Mars at the very beginning, um, because Mars has quite a light atmosphere, I believe. So, the storms on Mars would not knock a spaceship over. Yeah, I think it's. I think it. They don't. Hmm. They don't get up. They don't have the strength because the atmosphere is so much lighter. So that they, that that storm on Mars, it's dust and everything, but it wouldn't have the seismic force which it has in the start of this film. So it wouldn't be a danger to the ship in the same way that it is in this. It wouldn't knock the ship over. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing in this film that was like a that's a MacGuffin that, you know, we have to have in order for what needs to be stranded But there. but generally,
1: generally I think as 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 a as a you know, I think this is a great space movie and it's one of my it's one of my favourite and I'll always sit and watch it. It maybe lacks some yeah. of the like horror of space um and it's maybe a little bit too jovial sometimes but i think you really understand you come out of
0: it up- i think that's a fair criticism of it and and like you said it's i think this is a really good movie but maybe not an excellent movie i uh, and i hesitate to say that because i really do like everything about this
1: yeah yeah there's maybe just there's maybe a kind of there's maybe a, 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 an emotional core slightly missing from this you know the way that you're not super invested
0: um it's more about yeah, the spectacle. it's very uplifting though i'll say that This is a really good film to watch if you're feeling a bit down, um, because it's very pleasant. Everything works out, and everyone's very happy, and you know it's all going to be fine forever. And it's it's kind of like the message at the end of this film. It's a very feel good sort of watch. Yeah, space space is awesome, and that's what this film is. Space is awesome. It's all going to be fine forever. Right, Dave. Um, That was. But I really enjoyed this. Uh, I've I've watched this at least, at least three or four times, um, which is you know a decent amount for five years. Um, Yeah. i'll probably watch it again
1: yeah yeah absolutely right thanks a lot and i look forward to watching whatever you're making us watch next week i think we're on a good week so we're gonna have to watch something
0: that we like okay well i look forward to that um so as always uh if you're still listening question mark or exist question mark again uh theoretical audience members if you've got any comments if you're really upset that we missed a week and didn't release a clip about it send us a tweet on twitter at imaginary pod and um and if not continue to be imaginary and we will see you on the midweek pilot light see you later